0: Is the ring of words
1: pop news
2: the trivia music show
1: of your favorite pop stars
2: Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of Pop Muse, the pop music trivia show of your favorite stars. And for those of you joining us for the first time, we scour the Internet and find lesser known facts about some of the legends, big names, mega stars, or what I always say, some cool cats from the international and national stage to fill you in on. And let's see if you know as much as you think you know about some of these icons in the world of music. I'm TJ Reed, and today I've got my veteran friend here in the studio, Liu Yen. What's going on, bro? Hey,
1: veteran friend. I like
2: that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. You definitely have veteran knowledge and skills. It's hard to stump you on this show. I mean, this is a trivia show, and Mm -hmm. a lot of times I like to pull out stars that are well-known and try to make it cryptic so that, you know, it's difficult to kind of guess who it is. But for you, man, it's, it's not easy.
1: But I have a feeling that you are going to be very successful this week, <laughs> because just now off the air, you said that it's going to be more difficult than last time around. Mm-hmm. And last time I barely got it right. So I think you're going to make it this time.
2: Well, today I have a very special musician that honestly, I've only got into recently. and. I've read about this person's life. I had a chance to sample this musician's music, and I'm just blown away by the vocals, the sentiment, the mood, and also the impact and her fight for justice. And so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, this person is iconic, not just behind the mic, but off the mic as well. Her name pretty much radiates through the world of music in the USA. So really, really looking forward to sharing about this person's life and music with you.
1: Now that you put it that way, I cannot wait. I mean fighting injustice to get justice. That's always my favorite topic.
2: So mm-hmm. all right. And so what about you? Who, who do you have for us today?
1: I have someone very special. I would say I grew up with her music, but unfortunately, she has always been dogged by rumors and um, some kind of indecent gossip. Mm. So her career actually got overshadowed by all those things. So we're definitely going to touch upon that, but I still hope that people will remember her by her music. Mm. Not yeah, not all those nasty stuff. All see.
2: right, all right. Okay. And that's something else that I think that we do on this show, man, and I'm really glad that we're going to at least give a different perspective. That way people can, you know, judge for themselves who this person is. And before we get started, guys, we just want to share that everything we find is internet based. So if there is anything erroneous or outdated, please reach out to us and we would love to hear from you and hopefully update the correct information on a later episode. So, with no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump into fact number one. And my sources are from biography.com, e online, and Wikipedia. This legend was born in, wait for it. 1915. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, before my
1: time, definitely.
2: In, uh, and depending on the records, uh, some say it's uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, or others say Baltimore, Maryland. So the sources kind of vary there. Um, her mother was only a teenager when she was born, and her father was as well, and was quite infrequent in her life. And again, from the readings about this person, um, the sources also vary in terms of how old her parents were. Some sources said her mother was, you know, 16 and her father was 17. 17 and, uh, you know, some sources say younger than that. So, needless to say, her parents were quite young when they uh, when she was born.
1: Yeah, I mean, 16 and 17, way too young already. If even younger than that, I, I just can't imagine.
2: Yeah, it's a kind of a scenario of children having children. You mm. know what I mean, I guess I don't need to even mention, but her mother struggled to raise her and to survive. And note the time frame. This was... Back in the 20s, it's really, really tough time in U.S. history. And so this artist, as a child, was often left in the care of others. And it's a bit dangerous for children because you don't know what kind of people that they are. And if you're working and trying to survive, there's going to be long bouts mm. away from your, your child. And this artist, unfortunately, was raped at the age of 10. By a forty something year old neighbor and she was sent to a Catholic reform school for African American girls because at that time things were still segregated and it was called the House of Good Shepherd and her attacker was actually sentenced to five years in jail just five just years. five years just five years at that time, which is insane and I was doing a little bit of reading about this. School or this place, there was one source that said that there was a time when she was punished for misbehavior. She was locked overnight in a room with a dead person. So, yeesh. I mean, I I can't even believe that this was happening. But anyway, moving on here. um, At age 14, she moved into a brothel where her mother worked and was employed. And ultimately, this artist turned to sex work for a short period of time to survive as well. As I mentioned, very, very tumultuous, catastrophic, rough start. I mean, this is around the time of the Great Depression. Mm. And so just the economy in the States, uh, this is around the time of the Industrial Revolution. And just fighting and scrapping for work was just really, really tough. And then the black community was obviously much worse than the white. So really, really tough time for uh, this artist. So we're going to move on to fact number two, and this is according to Biography and Wikipedia. Uh, In her difficult early life, uh, she found solace in music, and she would often sing along with the records of Bessie Smith and Louis Armstrong. Mm. Uh, She frequented every bar and club in Harlem, New York, looking for work as a dancer. And she was turned down quite a bit. Again, a lot of uh, Harlem was a predominantly black neighborhood. But outside of that, it's really tough, again, because of racial barriers. Right. At that time. Yeah. And she was almost turned down at a place called the Log Cabin uh, when she asked if they needed a singer. But I guess the owner took a chance and told her to sing for the customers. And she had them in tears after two songs. Oh, my. God. So I think that just her singing ability and probably just what she's been through. Through in her life at that age 17 she was able to really resonate with um, audiences she was discovered at the age of 17 by a record producer uh, John Hammond in Harlem who managed her first recording session with uh, the Benny Goodman Orchestra. And this was a you know a pretty popular orchestra at that time in uh, 1933. And she was the first, like, one of the first black entertainers to tour with some of the big-name uh, white musicians at that time, such as Count Bassey and Artie Shaw. Though, eventually, she ended up quitting that gig after a lot of mistreatment, for example. And a lot of those venues black people weren't able even able to walk in the front door so when whites would come in the front door in a dignified way blacks had to take cargo elevators around the back or take or go in the back door And after enough of that treatment with going, you know, touring with this group, she ended up quitting and going out on her own. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I grew up watching films that depict the lives of some of these musicians, and they were always going through the back door. And it's just as a kid, I I didn't think too much of it. But as I got older, I was just like, wow, you're a lot of times you're a, a big contributor to the music, the scene, the feeling and the enjoyment of the audience. But they still treat you as subhuman. Right and it's just um a bit disgusting really
1: yeah or the s word i was thinking
2: all right, we're going to move to fact number three, and this is according to Biography and Wikipedia. So striking out on her own, she performed at New York's Cafe Society. She developed some of her trademark stage personas there, and this is a big clue. Probably the one of the biggest clues is that she would wear gardenias in her hair and singing with her head tilted back. This was something that she did a lot of, you know, for her stage presence. Uh, She's known for her distinctive phrasing and expressive and sometimes melancholic voice. Uh, She went on to record with jazz pianist Teddy Wilson and others in 1935. She made several singles. And again, for people who follow her music, this is just going to drop it here. And those singles included What a Little Moonlight Can Do and Miss Brown to You. And that same year, she appeared with Duke Ellington in the film Symphony in Black. So, for anybody who doesn't know, Duke Ellington was pretty much the biggest pianist in America, also a black musician. Um, over the years, she sang many songs of stormy relationships, including Ain't Nobody's Business If I Do. I <laughs> love that. My Man. And these songs reflected her, obviously, her personal romances, which were often destructive and abusive. And yeah, I was just reading about her relationships and it just, honestly, it just made me lose my appetite. I mean, I was just disgusted by some of the type of individuals that exist in this world. Um, Her first husband was a trombonist, a, a Jimmy Monroe, and he was reportedly the first person to give her opium. And members within her inner circle introduced her to heroin, which she struggled with for pretty much for the rest of her life. And um, she married two more men who were also caught up on substance abuse and took advantage of her fame and were violent. I've read that she showed up to certain uh, performances bruised and battered from abusive husbands and, of course, with the substance. Substances. It's just so sad that these things can really take a huge hold on your life. And for her, she was, uh, you know, she definitely struggled with them until her last day, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I have to say, this is utterly heartbreaking. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, intersectionality. Mm. Um, It's where your identities clash for example you are black and then you are also a woman Mm -hmm. so when these two relatively uh speaking minors Mm -hmm. when when these two identities clash you are doubly disadvantaged Mm -hmm. so on top of that she also has the drug problem and also has uh, abusive husbands you know so just one thing stacking on another on another on another yeah and this is like an endless cycle so it's just purely heartbreaking to hear that
2: yeah and i think that just had a lot to do with why doing the research on this particular artist was just so difficult so fact number four and this is according to the biography e online and wikipedia and this is probably the biggest clue if you don't know who she is from this fact then you probably don't know But this is probably the event that made her a huge icon in American history and, of course, in um, African-American history as well. Uh, in 1939, after singing her very famous song, Strange Fruit, she received a warning from the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, a government agency which lasted for about 30-some-odd you know, years, and they warned her to never sing that song again in public, and she refused. She kept singing the song, and she would do that after her performance. It would be the last song that she would perform when she would go to certain venues, and radio stations banned it which even made it a bigger hit funny how that happens right Uh, so as I mentioned she sang it at the end of her shows even with knowledge that federal agents in disguise were pretty much sitting and waiting in the audience waiting to drag her off of the stage and a lot of times she performed in front of white audiences Mm. and this song was such a big deal because it was a protest song objecting the abuse of black people in the United States she sang it two years after Congress refused to pass a bill that would make lynching a federal crime. And that wasn't something that they you know, could sanction. They didn't really like her singing about lynching. First of all, for those who don't know what lynching is, lynching is when white mobs would go into you know, black communities and string you up to a tree and hang you by the neck until you die it's a it's a very inhumane way to kill someone and also it's a a very traumatizing experience and the lyrics of the song and i'll read the lyrics for you it's southern trees bear strange fruit blood on the leaves and blood at the root black bodies swinging in the southern breeze strange fruit hanging from poplar trees pastoral scene of the gallant south the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth Scent of magnolias, fresh and sweet, then the sudden smell of burning flesh. Here is fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for the trees to drop. Here's a strange and bitter crop. I mean, the words are just very haunting, and when I heard it for the first time, I I never forgot the melody and just... I grew up watching um, films, depictions of lynchings, and also I've seen real photos of it. And as an African-American, it just, you know, bring tears to my eyes. And not only that, just uh, a lot of just, I guess, discouragement living somewhere where you have this culture where you put on display. I mean, there were newspapers at that time that showed lynchings, and it was almost like a, a public event. And a lot of times the body was burned while this person was hanging on the tree and sometimes castrated. I mean, it was just an awful, awful display of humanity.
1: Yeah, I can just imagine. I mean, obviously, I'm not uh, black myself. So I can never say I actually can put myself in the shoes of black people. But I think we can all use, you know, a little bit more of empathy and try to imagine what kind of experience that would be like. Um, I still don't understand why certain people can just look at someone else and find that if the color of their skin is different and somehow that makes them like inferior, I will never understand that kind of sentiment and I will never tolerate that.
2: So I'm just going to say that, make that clear. So moving on a little bit more here, and as I mentioned, the government was trying to silence her. And at that time, she was married to an individual who corroborated with the FBN or the Federal Bureau of Narcotics because she had a substance abuse issue. He gave them whatever it is that they needed, and she was thrown in prison for about a year and also stripped her of her cabaret performer's license. So she wasn't able to find work after her time in prison. So that essentially ended her nightclub career. And it's just, again, it's more of a kick when you hear that it's coming from a husband. You know, I mean, it's just like, I just, again, I felt really disgusted by this um, individual Um, An author who wrote a book titled Chasing the Scream, and he wrote that she had a heroin addiction because she had been chronically raped as a child. And she was trying to deal with the grief and the pain of that. And also she was resisting white supremacy. And when she insisted on continuing on her right as an American citizen to sing Strange Fruit, the government tried to destroy her. So... I know that's not an excuse for the lifestyle of um, you know substances, but it just puts things into perspective.
1: Right. You know what I mean. Yeah, I think there's a major difference there. It's understandable, but that doesn't mean that we are excusing this kind of lifestyle. Right, mm-hmm. right.
2: And just a little bit more here on the the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. The commissioner at that time, his name was Harry Anslinger. He was a known racist, and he felt that this artist was a symbol of everything that America should be afraid of and he hated jazz music and it felt that it triggered black people to you know forget their place so you had an individual like this in office and predominantly targeted black musicians and this artist is not the first person Um, Aretha Franklin who's huge in music she was targeted by the FBI for 40 years Nat King Cole Jimi Hendrix, the list really goes on and on. If you're iconic and you are a black musician, you were intimidated. And followed by the FBI and that's just something that a lot of musicians had to deal with and currently still have to deal with
1: hmm well I gotta say it, it blew my mind when you said he actually thought jazz music was terrible because it made black people forget their place mm. that's got to be one of the most ridiculous things I ever
2: heard in my life right we're gonna move on to fact number five and this is predominantly from Wikipedia sadly this artist in 1959 fell ill extremely ill after many years of substance abuse she was diagnosed with liver failure and also had heart complications which put an end to her legendary music career even on her deathbed the government saw her as a threat and handcuffed her body to the bed and in July 1959 she passed away still handcuffed as police watched over her. She had a few hundred dollars in her you know strapped to her leg to kind of give money to the nurses that were taking care of her at that time and though her life was by many accounts lamentable hmm. she's still regarded as one of the best jazz vocalists of all time who influenced and inspired countless other music legends her posthumous awards also include being inducted into the grammy hall of fame erdogan jazz hall of fame the rock and roll hall of fame and the ascap jazz wall of fame so frank sinatra was influenced by her performances um, as a young man and he told Ebony Magazine in 1958 about her impact in his musical career he said that with few exceptions every major pop musician in the U.S. during her generation was touched by her genius in some way and it was her who was and still remains the greatest single musical influence on me she's unquestionably the most important influence on American popular singing in the last 20 years and that was from Frank Sinatra wow so um is- really means a lot I guess yeah she was iconic Uh, probably the most iconic in jazz so that brings me to the end of my facts here and um, Mr. Leo I'm going to turn the mic over and see if you have a guess for us or if you need to look up online or
1: (laughs) Uh, I think you are successful this week I'm definitely going to need some help Uh, can I use the internet now
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll give you 30 seconds.
1: Just a minute.
2: All right, 30 seconds. But it won't connect. (laughs) Yeah, the signal's pretty bad in here, but the countdown is still going. 20 seconds.
0: Uh. Ah!
2: 15 seconds. No, no internet. Seven, six, five, three, two, one. All right, man. Come on. Give me something. Okay.
1: I got nothing because I couldn't get on the internet. (laughs) I think that's the the first time
2: that this has ever happened where the internet is available, but it's not. (laughs) So, Mr. Liu, from your archives of knowledge on musicians that are uh you know in the jazz scene i've heard you on the show oh and just another clue this artist's name has been brought up on the show while you and i have been doing episodes so it's a name that we have brought up in the past
1: that doesn't help much (laughs) (laughs) um okay does her name actually have a word that is commonly used in the English
2: language? You mean is her name like a common name?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, one of her names, is it a a common word in everyday English?
2: Mm, Possibly.
1: Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, it was definitely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing.
2: Well, the artist I have for you today is... Billy Holiday. Holiday. Oh my
1: God! You should have said yes. Oh my.
2: <laughs> Billy Holiday was an American jazz and swing music producer, nicknamed Lady Day. She had an innovative influence on jazz music and pop singing. Her vocal style, strongly inspired by jazz instrumentalists, pioneered a new way of manipulating phrasing and tempo. She was known for her vocal delivery and improvisational skills. And as I mentioned, there's quite a few songs that I listened to recently, and there's just so many that resonate so much. And I think upon hearing um, a bit more of her story, her songs just resonate even more. And as usual, I got a few songs that I would like to share from this amazing artist. First up, I got a track called I'm Gonna Lock My Heart, and that will be followed by Blue Moon. And then finally, the track that we referenced earlier, Strange Fruit. Check it out.
0: I'm gonna lock my heart and throw away the key I'm wise to all those tricks you played on me I'm gonna turn my back on love, gonna snub the moon above, seal all my windows up with tin, so the love bug can get in. I'm gonna park my romance right along the curve. Hang a sign up on my heart, please don't dis- if i never fall in love again that's soon enough for me i'm gonna lock my heart and throw away the key miles will ever hold I heard somebody whisper please in my heart without the love of mine For the crows to pluck, for the rain together, for the wind to set, father send to.
2: was Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. I have to say this is the version I grew up hearing was the rendition with uh, Nina Simone but nevertheless it was still had a relatively similar impact it was uh, yeah it just brings me back to a, a really traumatizing sight really really heavy but the earlier songs the Blue Moon that was also uh, just, I love that elegant jazz era that, you know, it's like I can envision being inside of a, a jazz club where people are wearing suits and...
1: Yeah, I really enjoy that type of music as well. Um, personally, I'm a big fan of dance shows mm. and this type of music, I have to say, is the best fit for a particular genre called Broadway. Mm. Um, I think they're just a match made in heaven. Um, As for Strange Fruit, yes, the version that I'm more familiar with is also from Nina Simone, but that does not negate the impact of this version at all. Mm. I think both are excellent. And also, I just cannot get over the fact that the way they enunciate, it almost like every single word just hits your soul so strongly, and you don't even need to look at the lyrics to get the impact. And I just miss that kind of style.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, Mr. Liu... Let's go ahead and move on to your musician. Hopefully a little bit more... um, (laughs) Lighter? Lighter. Lighthearted.
1: (laughs) Okay. um, I doubt because she actually also, like I said, she was dogged by a lot of rumors and nasty gossip. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be any lighter, but I'll try to make it more entertaining, shall we say. Mm, All right. Okay, so this artist is actually one of the most influential canto pop singers who has had many ups and downs, like I said, in mm. the music industry. At the peak of her career, she was a legit pop diva. All right. Yes, with huge hits that were inescapable. But at the lowest point in life, she was reported to have considered suicide. Oh, mm. all right. Um, anyway, she denied that. But she also announced her retirement from the showbiz industry in March 2020 because she said she just had enough. She saw the ugliest side of the industry. Mm, um, yeah, but anyway, yeah. um, like I said, I grew up with her music, so I was hoping that people will remember her by those songs, not her terrible stories. All right. Okay, let's get into it. Clue number one. This is from NetEase and Baidu BaiKe. She first participated in a singing competition in Hong Kong at the age of 20. Mm. And she did not get a good result and therefore did not immediately become a professional singer. Instead, she worked as, get this, a fashion designer for two years. Mm. And then she participated in a singing competition in Japan This time, she ended up being the champion.
2: In Japan? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. But anyway, since she won that competition in Japan, and then, of course, the smart thing would be to, you know, write on that success. And she did do that. She came back to Hong Kong and officially launched her singing career. Now, here's something really interesting. I heard this from a radio show. I can't remember exactly when and from which show, so I'm just gonna say it, and you can take it with a grain of salt. Hmm. Uh, Apparently, when she participated in that first singing competition in Hong Kong, she wasn't even really trying to compete. Hmm. She was just there, because Anita Mui and Leslie Cheung were there. She was so fascinated with them, and she was trying to get autographs. Mm-hmm. So I guess she was the only one who was uh, in that competition just to get closer to
2: her idols. Oh, wow. Yeah, Anita Mui. She was uh, hugely iconic at that time.
1: Yeah. So moving on to the second clue. This is from Baidu Cup. This singer released her debut album, Winter Love, in March 1989. It was a success, and she won TVB's Most Popular New Artist Award that year. As I mentioned before, TVB is Hong Kong's number one showbiz organization. Okay. It not only dominated the TV series market, it also had monumental influences in terms of music and movie industries. So to win TVB's most popular new artist award is always a big deal. Mm. You can think of it as You know, somebody winning Best New Artist um, at the Grammys, except for in the Hong Kong
2: area. All right. Mm -hmm. That sounds pretty substantial. All right. Doesn't quite help me. But um, yeah. Okay. For our our listeners out there, definitely.
1: Okay. Moving on to clue number three. This is from Sina Entertainment and by Dubai Cup. Although her career was off to a good start with her debut album, she didn't become a household name until her second album. This album's namesake single was a giant hit. And you can't name it. I do mean giant. And you can't name it. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, Obviously, I I cannot make it too easy for you, like you said, so I'm not going to name it. But I can do a little demonstration.
2: Would you like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure our listeners would like that
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it goes like this. Yes, let me tell you, man, that was in Cantonese, but it was so popular, like everybody on the Chinese mainland could sing it, even
2: though the dominant language was Mandarin. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, I think that that might have uh, sealed the deal for our listeners out there, for sure. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So the next clue is also from Baidu Baike. She was consistently popular in the early 1990s. And by the time 1995 rolled around, she already released more than a dozen albums. In particular, her 13th studio album was a career highlight. It was called X all-time favorites. So I guess you can guess from this title that it's actually an album of cover songs. Hmm. It received super positive reviews and attracted a ton of fans who were not normally into mainstream pop music. I guess that's because her interpretations of those classic pop hits were just vastly different from the originals. And it almost like, you know how people keep saying, oh, she makes this song her own. Right. Yeah. In that case, it was 100%
2: true. Okay. And these pop songs were songs from China or were they like cover songs from all over the world or?
1: Mainly songs from China, uh, the Chinese mainland, uh, Hong Kong, Taiwan. All right. Yeah. Okay. The first single from that album was called Forget About Him. It was originally by Teresa Tung. Okay. We, yeah,
2: we covered her on this show. Yeah, yeah. Forget About Him. That's a, This is a pretty cool title.
1: Yeah. So if you knew that song or if you knew the cover version, I guess basically you already have the answer. Mm-hmm. But I'm sensing that you don't know just yet. No, but that's a good title to look up when this is over. <laughs> yeah, Okay. <laughs> Uh, Moving on to the next clue. This is from Wikipedia and Yahoo. Unfortunately, after the mid-1990s, her career was getting stagnant and she barely released new music again. For a while, she kept releasing compilation or greatest hits albums. Mm. There would be a few new songs every time, but that was about it never actually formal studio albums anymore. Mm. In the meantime, she was kept in the limelight for all the wrong reasons, Uh like I said. For example, there were many reports that she became, quote-unquote, increasingly eccentric and difficult. She was even arrested once for assaulting hotel staff. That was kind of strange because apparently she was living in a hotel, even though she was earning money with her record and with her, you know, movie appearances.
2: Was it like one of her many residences? I mean, I think there are artists who, um, famous artists who have hotel rooms that they've, you know, lived in.
1: Again, take this with a grain of salt. I read that she was having huge problems with her then boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So she chose not to live at home. And that's why she decided to stay in a hotel like for an extended period of time and that's when this uh, particular incident happened she was having a bad day and she got into this huge fight with the hotel staff and she was accused of assault and then she was also fined several thousand hong kong dollars mm,
2: that's unfortunate but i think in the in the entertainment world that's not that unusual disagreements come up all the time you yeah know, especially with um paparazzis or just people who have certain expectations of you because you're famous yeah, so, exactly. I, yeah that's that's not too unusual
1: but again let's make it clear we do not tolerate violence. Okay. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. And she was also reportedly trying to die by suicide, but she denied it and said, quote, unquote, she accidentally fell into the sea at Discovery Bay Beach near her home. So did you buy that?
2: Accidentally fell, fell into, into the, the ocean, sea. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: That's what she said. Mm. And the next clue is from Straight Times. Perhaps the biggest scandal surrounding this particular singer was the fact that she had a son out of wedlock in 2002. There were rampant rumors that Eric Tsang was the kid's biological father, but it was not true. Do you know who Eric Tsang is? No. Okay, so for those who do not know, Eric Tsang is one of the most recognizable faces in Hong Kong showbiz. He's right up there with Jackie Chan, actually. Hmm. Um, he is an actor, but he is more well known as a TV host. Okay. Like he basically hosts all the shows that <laughs> you can think of in the Hong Kong show business. Oh, wow. So that's why he is a household name. But like I said, um, both parties denied this. And later, this particular singer said herself that the kid's father was actually a living Buddha in Bhutan really (laughs) so yeah
2: that's the most interesting part well did he like convert to Buddhism later because I think if you're a Buddhist then you probably don't uh, start families or do anything of that nature right
1: yeah that's why people were so shocked to hear that Um, I think originally she used some kind of euphemism she said it was a religious teacher but then later she just openly said it It was actually a living Buddha
2: Mm -hmm. yeah more cryptic messages okay
1: yeah so if you have Heard of that particular episode in this artist's live? I think the answer is very obvious. But for a lot of Chinese people, they even never heard of that. So I guess this probably will not help you too much. No. Nah. <laughs> And moving on to the next clue, this is from 8 Days. It's a Singaporean website focused on pop culture. Right. So this artist surprised a lot of fans on March 5th, 2020. She announced her retirement on her social media and left a series of comments expressing her disappointment and also disillusionment with the record company and the showbiz in general. Among her impassioned words were, like I said earlier, I saw the ugliest part of this industry. And I'm not a product. I'm a human being. My well-being is the most important property as a person in life.
2: I second that because, yeah, I think as we've talked about over and over on the program, how record labels do look at artists as products and that... They really do utilize them as much as possible to for earnings. I mean, it's a business, right? And I think anyone in music and anyone outside of music can understand that it is a business. But I think when you're caught up in it for such a long time and if you aren't being productive and if you do want to get royalties and, sometimes, and that's another issue with record companies, the business can kind of convolute the reason why you got into music in the first place. But yeah, yeah, I can understand why she just throwing her hands up and just saying, I'm done with this.
1: Mm -hmm. So actually we can see from these um, comments that it was definitely an ugly divorce so to speak. And that's why she made it very clear that she will never release any new music again, which is a shame in my opinion. Because like I said, I truly grew up with her music. Mm. She was never as famous as Fei Wang say, but at one time, she definitely had the potential to reach Fei Wang's status, mm. mm-hmm. and I just cannot imagine my life without her music. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know this is getting sentimental. She, she's actually also the person who introduced a lot of Western music to me. For example, I remember vividly she had this song. It's actually the Cantonese version of Black Hat. Hmm. which was originally sung by Janet Jackson. Hmm. And that's how I first heard of Janet Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. So, And and she also sang the cover uh, version of a Roxette song. Roxette, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They are a band from um, Sweden, I would say. No. Yeah, but they mostly sing in English. And that's also one of my earliest English songs. Or English songs education.
2: Yeah, I you know uh, Prince had a thing with his record label where under his name he you know he wasn't really allowed to release music. And again, another example of when record labels pretty much own you in a way. And so he had to like change his name to like produce a symbol, music. yeah, into yeah. a symbol of some sort. And so I'm not sure if that's the reasoning behind this artist saying that she'll never release music again because it's like she doesn't even have the rights to her own music. Again, not sure, but it's really unfortunate that Mr. Liu here cannot enjoy more of her music. And uh, and for me over here on this side, trying to figure out who she is, I do have a few clues that I can look up and i think i just forgot the name of the song that i was going to look up earlier
1: (laughs) (laughs) well if you're going to use the internet maybe here's uh, an extra tidbit that can help you a lot apparently she was set to be dating someone from the chinese mainland Mm -hmm. but that someone was like 20 years
2: younger than she was oh wow she still got it huh
1: yeah that's the way to put it
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, um, again, I'm not sure if that would help me in my search, Um, but um, is that all you got? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Now, the song that you said that she did a cover of, um, all right, I'm going to look it up now. Okay, so the song I mentioned was
1: Forget Forget About About Him, Him. Yeah. Yeah. originally by Teresa Tung. All right. Okay, I'm going to start the countdown. 30. Mm. 20, 10, five, four, three, two, one.
2: time's up. <laughs> Do you have a name? Well, right now, it's largely the name that you mentioned before, the Teresa Tongue. Hmm. I do see another name, but I, I'm not sure if this is the person or not. Ugh. Go for it. Okay. So the only name that I see here that I can use because I see a male's name and it's, I know it's not James Wong. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's not Teresa Tong. So I see a Shirley Kwan
1: got it right (laughs) congratulations Congratulations. yeah i know that's the clue (laughs) shirley kwan so shirley kwan is one of the most influential canto pop singers like i said who has many ups and downs in the music industry Uh, unfortunately she has already retired from the business but we will always remember her wonderful songs so today we're going to hear two of her signature songs the first one is rebellious guy and the second one is, do you have a best friend in your
2: life? Mm, wow, those songs intrigue me. I want to hear what they're about just because of the title. And I love songs that have really good titles. So looking forward to hearing those. But before I get a chance to, Mr. Liu, I want to thank you again for joining me on the show. Always really introspective. And I think we have a really good exchange on the show. So thank you again. And for those of you listening, thank you for tuning in to Pop News. And we hope to see you here again next time. I'm TJ Reed. I'm there at. Take it easy, folks. We will see you next time.
3: Jin si. i Thank you.